Welcome to the Raindrop Corner Podcast, a chill place where creatives and real-life superheroes converge to chat it up about cool things. And I'm your host, Kay, and without further ado, here is an ode to our guest. The power of a joke is often in a little bit of truth. That edge of the smooth, echoing out like a DJ in a booth, gradually easing trepidation akin to a man soothed, and success in the delivery he dared to use. The one who stood at the mic, sometimes at unlevel heights, with laughs gradually adding to his might against brick walls, looking out at willing sights. He began his life at night, a funny man, risen from the sand, finding more than a misplaced lesson plan among urging a child to understand that they possibly can. Succeed? Yes. And read and bleed and potentially, possibly plant a seed. Then it was himself he finally started to feed, deciding that he would no longer plead, wrestle against systems plotted in opposition, perhaps slack in derision. I give you the comic with a purpose, daring to speak, leaving the meek, pulling amusement from crowds willing to seek. The man who cried at pretty butterflies and cute replies, equipped with comments as sincere as they were sly. By and by, I do believe he taught those kids to fly. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the newest episode of the Raindrop Corner podcast. I'm really excited about our guest today. Outside of myself, and I am Kay, I have Devin Seabold with me, who you do a myriad of things. And I told myself that I wasn't going to introduce an entire list of all of them. So outside of being a teacher, you are a comedian, won a numerous amount of awards, even featured on Fox how did you go from little Devin Siebold to wanting to be a teacher to getting ingrained in comedy? Kind of walk me through how you ended up where you are now. Sure. So um, I started off at uh, uh, Flagler College in St. Augustine. And when I was in Flagler College, I had a great advisor. <laughs> and uh, he just so happened to be in the education field. But I was actually signed up to do psychology. And I had a really bad day in psychology. And this is, uh, if, you, if you ever listen to my podcast, I kind of mock it a little bit, <laughs> where I'm, 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 I'm kind of a, a little sensitive. Like, I, I get really, like, I cry a lot. I'll, like, see, and I know that sounds really weird for a guy, but... It's cathartic. I, um, yeah, but I, I, like, I grew up with just my mom, mm-hmm. and she was very emotional. And so I pulled that all in to where like I see beautiful <laughs> things like a, a pretty butterfly and I'll start bawling and I'm like, what's wrong with me? You know, but uh, it, I, I was I was in psychology classes and I was um, uh, taking an ethics of psychology almost two years into it. And um, the, the psychologist that was heading it had been in the game for 30 years. And he was, he pulled me aside and I, I, he goes, I don't, I, he goes, have you considered what you're going to do with this degree? I said, yeah, I'm going to be a psychologist. I'm going to, I'm going to sit down with people and, and hear their problems and their feelings. And he said, no, um, that, that's not good for you. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, you, you get really emotionally involved in the stuff that we talk about. I say, yeah, cause you know, it impacts me a lot. He goes, 
you can't do that. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, psychologists have to disconnect and unplug. You know, you got several people you see in a day. You can't see the next person while you're crying about the person that you just saw, you know, their story two minutes ago. And I said, oh, yeah, you're right. And um, and he said, think about all the stuff we've been seeing. He goes, honestly, he goes, most of my job is things like child abuse, things like uh, divorce. He said cheating. He said very heavy suicidal stuff that you have to be able to kind of become numb to. And I was like, oh, and so I thought about it. And I was like, you know what? I think that really would be a terrible career for me. (laughs) (laughs) Valid deduction. Yeah, I was like, you know, I think I don't think I'd be I'd get so invested in people. I don't think I could do it. And so I told my advisor about it. He's like, it sounds like you should be a teacher. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, you can care for these kids. You can get a full year with them. You know, you get to be invested, talk to the parents and change some lives for the better. Cry with them. Yeah, I said, that's, that's a good idea, you know, and I, I really hadn't thought about that before. But then he told me something else that, and this is probably the worst thing he could have told me. You know, other teachers uh, always say, well, we don't do it for that. But um, he's like, and if you don't like teaching, he said, you have summers and, and spring break and, and afternoons to kind of explore passion projects and he's like I have tons of passions that I love to pursue he said a lot of these professors do he said they have passions that during the summer they go on sabbaticals they go uh, on uh, yoga you know trips and and they explore their their outside life they have that time he said it's he said it, it can be you know obviously a pretty extensive like you know 40 50 hours a week plus but he said you do get some downtime and it is nice to have that, that you don't might not get with another career. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. So when I, I started teaching, and, um, and I loved it, I thought it was great, uh, but I couldn't, I was young. I was 21, and I was teaching students that were in intensive reading that had failed several times. So I was 21 teaching 19-year-olds, which was just hard in itself, usually. But I found that when... They were interested in college. And so I started telling them about college. Then they asked about other stories. You know, what's college really like? I told them stories, you know, from me uh, while I was there about, you know, uh, idiot party people and, and the, the funny stories that were happening in the dorms and the, the goofiness of it all. And they would crack up laughing and it became a reward. It, it literally, like I'd say at the end of the week, I got a really good story for you guys. If you will, you know, get this work turned in, we have 70% completion, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they bought into that real hard because they loved the stories. And I had, uh, Alan L, Alan L. He was, um, a student of mine came up to me and one day after class and goes, you should try stand up because those stories are really good. And it just stuck. It was, and it took me a few years. I didn't jump right into it. Mm-hmm. I, I considered it and I was too scared. I signed up for classes and then backed out and then I signed up again and backed out and I signed up for an open mic and didn't show. And finally I, I signed up for classes one time and said, you know what? I got to commit to this. I got to decide if this is something that I, I, I it keeps festering in the back of my mind. I, I really, there's an itch and I have to scratch it or I'm going to go, what if for the rest of my life? So then I, I did it and I got on stage that first time and, 
ever since I got those first laughs. It was like, you know, they always say it's, uh, stand-up comedy is like a drug. You chase those laughters, the, uh, those laughter uh, moments after that. And uh, and it was just what I was meant to do. That that moment, I was like, this is it. You know, I walked off that stage and I was like, there it is. That's that's the feeling I've never felt before. And that's the feeling that I want to feel all the time. And it was, it was an amazing feeling. Just a good feeling of of making a room full of people feel good, you know, because everybody loves to laugh. So, yeah, that was, there's more detail than that, but that's kind of the gist of it, yeah. It's valid to get elation from that, though, because it's its own kind of medicine, and I feel like humor can be healing in a lot of ways. Something that I noticed as well, like, on the track of how you got started in comedy as well, is a lot of your comedy, even though it's really funny, and it's really engaging and there's a lot of relatable elements to it you touch on very real things and things that people might potentially brush over if they didn't have a really if they didn't have a palatable way or a tangible way to kind of look at it and understand what you're getting at you advocate for teachers in all of your comedy and the things that they go through and even though some of them are like not necessarily embellishments. Some of them have some liberties taken in them. They're very real things that happen to teachers. So when you started doing your stand-up, when you got on stage and you felt that elation and you decided that's what you want it to do, that's how you want it to make people feel, what did you want to bleed into your comedy to make it unique to you? It's interesting. When I first started doing stand-up, I actually um, stepped away from the teacher part of it. I, I decided not to do the teacher portion because I wanted to be known for comedy as a comic. I didn't want to be known as that teacher comedian. And then I I started finding that some of my best jokes, um, when I deliver them on stage, I I would be like, well, you know, let me do one teacher joke. Let me talk about this. And it kind of, it, it was more popular. It was getting more laughs. And I found that, you know, it was because I was, it was something I was so well-versed in, so familiar with. And it was so real to me that when I told that story on stage or talked about that moment in teaching on stage, it, it resonated with the audience because they could connect to the realness of it. That's the, the thing about comedy that some comics have and some comics don't. Some comics are amazing writers, but they just don't have the ability to tell the story and make you believe what they're telling you. They don't have the ability to to write a joke that is going to resonate with everybody and that people can be invested in. And I think that once I started kind of diving into the teacher comedic aspect of it, that's when uh, people started to really resonate with it. And, and they started to identify me as a, a teacher comedian. You know, everybody's had teachers. Everybody's been in school. Uh, the amount of teachers that are in my audience are uh, enormous. Even before I was known for it, it was just always like, wow, there's so many teachers here because you don't realize how many teachers there are mm-hmm. and, and how much they need to laugh too. You said that when you started teaching, you loved it. And not to say that you still don't love it, but it seems like, like all teachers, you start and there's this high, there's this honeymoon period. And then you start to feel the stark reality of what it means to be a teacher. So what was that journey like for you? And how did you shift from putting teacher jokes in it to kind of heavily bleeding that into your comedy based off of what you were going through as a teacher? 
I think that when I started doing the teaching jokes, it was more of uh, student-centered things that I was encountering with the students. And some of my early videos, you know, are kids turning in late work or, uh, you know, how to respond to a kid when a cell phone goes off in class, things like that that are real funny bits, but they're more of stuff that was kind of personal to me and my classroom and how I felt. And then people started kind of resonating with it, but they also started saying, I would get messages from people as I posted videos that said that, uh, you know, they're, they were stressed and, and it's not fun for them and they're not enjoying it and that uh, the videos were helping them get through. And then I kind of started taking a bigger look personally at teaching, kind of evaluating it as a career in, entirely and seeing there were so many things from when I first started teaching to now that happened that that really were like pivotal pivotal moments in, in the career itself when we started talking about uh, arming the teachers when I all of a sudden, you know, shooter drills in class, all of a sudden tape on my floor showing the proper place to hide so that the we literally have tape on our floor in the class showing where the kids need to hide so that a shooter couldn't hit them through the door i mean that's that's the kind of reality that starts seeping into my classroom and when i started seeing that kind of stuff and seeing these decisions being made and how powerless i was as a, as just a single teacher to change anything i kind of started evaluating the comedy and pointing it more towards change a little bit you know like this is kind of the the ridiculousness of it and we all acknowledge the ridiculousness of it and giving teachers another way to look at it so that we weren't all so frustrated and mad and depressed and sad and and basically all the feelings that we could have possibly you know, encountered in one, I, I wanted to focus it, make a joke out of it, but there is realness, like you said, or there's realness behind the joke. And, um, and it's, it, it is something to laugh at, but it's also kind of a statement, you know, I get a lot of people that, that watch it, that go, I'm not a teacher, but I didn't know it was like this. And I'm like, yeah, you know, we're making jokes here, but you know, the, there is a truth to it. And hopefully it opens some more eyes as to, you know, what we're going through. I hope so, too. And I think it's important, especially like with everything going on last year and even elements of this year where nobody was prepared for the pandemic and teachers who had never taught virtually ever suddenly had to get a crash course into what that was like, coupled with parents who don't know how to use software or don't know how to help their kids with homework. So what was outside of how stressful the pandemic was what was your favorite moment for you during the pandemic in terms of either your comedy or your teaching it can be anything i had a few videos go viral during the pandemic but i think it was seeing teachers celebrated as a whole for just that brief little month that we had was really cool just to see the, the outreach and the positivity that was I was seeing online you know I, and this is the thing is I post these videos and there's still a lot of negative comments that make their way through I don't delete anything but I see them and uh, you know it's just people that criticize teachers why are they whining they only work 180 days a year blah 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 and that actually started to kind of go away for just a little bit and and teachers were celebrated and I saw you know the teacher parades of the cars going by the kids houses and making connections and I think that the community started to see the value of teachers for just a moment now obviously that value turned to uh, frustration when you know we had um, uh, 
different mindsets on when things should reopen. Then we started to kind of see our, our value trickle down when it came to, you know, receiving things like uh, PPE and, and vaccinations now and stuff like that. So it was a cool moment. It was, it was also backpedaling and, uh, you know, uh, you almost wonder if we're not worse off now than we were before, you know, because there's there's now frustration. Uh, people forget we're all in it together, but we should look after each other. And, and I think we found a selfishness is, in this country that is is a very ugly look for us. And and hopefully we can tackle that and get better. But it was nice for that that moment, <laughs> you know, out of 14 years of teaching, it was good to see that that one time where it was like you know you held your head high and you're like yeah i'm a teacher and you felt like you know you got a little bit of recognition it was nice because i feel like there's a lot of common misconceptions about what teachers do they're not just babysitting they're not reading things out of a textbook they are and a lot of times it's so ironic that you mentioned that you were looking into going into mental health because in so many ways as a teacher you are not just that person's teacher. You are their therapist. You are their parent. You're not supposed to be any of those things, but there's like a weird gray line that teachers tow because sometimes kids need that and it's very easy to become that. So I I sincerely, much like you said, I hope that, it, you know, videos like yours do continue to open eyes because I think it's important to have that perspective how do you want your comedy to evolve essentially going forward i i don't know yet i mean i i like doing teacher sketches i find that um you know i have plenty of material but i do find sometimes that i uh it's a little harder to be as creative as i really want to be you know with the same subject matter I, I do well with it. I'm, I'm pride myself in literally everything that is, uh, everything that I put out is, is 100% authentic to me. Like I wrote the joke. I've, I came up with the idea, shoot everything by myself, edit everything. It's all mine in terms of the jokes. I, I have other ideas about other things that I would like to put out there. I, I, I have other you know, directions I might like to take, but I'm not really sure yet. I wrote a children's book over the past, like, uh, two months. So oh, that's cool. Um, I might, yeah, I might try to put that out soon. I'm really proud of it. I, I put a lot of creative effort into it, and um, it's been something that I've been passionate about since I was a kid. I actually wrote, when I was younger, I wrote several poems, children's books. I wanted to be the next Shel Silverstein, and so I have a, a mass amount of uh, writings and I'm kind of sifting through them, coming up with ideas, uh, finagle them into something. Even the book, though, is an advocation for teachers because it, it's it's about it's called the teacher in the wild, and it's about teachers uh, being spotted outside of school and how they shouldn't exist <laughs> outside like of school, and how kids, you know, misconceptions of them not having a life, and and yet they, they're real people. The book kind of shines a light on that through humor, through fantasy. It's it's real funny and, and cool so I, I, to answer your question though i don't know where it's going to go i kind of i have creative endeavors and ideas like my mind's always going i i never stop writing creative stuff some of it makes it out there a lot of it doesn't so you sound I like like a standard you sound like that's like a rite of passage with a writer you have all of these ideas and only like nine to ten percent of them get put into the ethos 
Yeah, but that's it's a good thing. But I do need to what I what I've done kind of recently is I've, I kind of spread myself a little too thin, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I've got now I have almost every single day something that I have to create and have to do and have to play around with that I haven't left myself a lot of room for um, expanding my ideas, and so I think I'm going to cut back on a few small things. Mm-hmm. and kind of uh, leave some emptiness in there for me to brainstorm and, and come up with ideas and, and see what I can do. But there's there's a lot of creativity there that I want to get out there. It's just a matter of having the direction and figuring out, you know, where what I want to tackle first. And I feel like you definitely will, too. I think one of the one of the positive things about the pandemic even though there's a lot of negative things about it at the same time is i feel like it gave people time to find new passions or to be introspective or to kind of cultivate things that they had in a while i've talked to plenty of people who like pulled out that one project they haven't worked on in seven years and they decided to go back to it what out of all the things that you're working on, and if it's the children's book and you already said it, that's perfectly okay too. What's the thing that you're looking forward to most in terms of what you are working on? So the one thing I'm looking forward to the most that I have not even started to tackle, but it's like literally punching holes in my skull trying to get out of my brain, is um, a a new hour of stand-up comedy. Because my passion is always... goes back to stand-up comedy i love stand-up comedy but right now i've i've turned down so many gigs i literally you know i get asked by some of these uh comedy zone and the improv and things like that Mm -hmm. and they're they're open a lot of them are open but they're not distancing they're not you know enforcing masks or they're they're just it doesn't seem like a safe environment and uh so i've only taken a few shows and when i do those shows it's just it's such a rush it feels so good to be on stage and and i've thrown a few new jokes out there here and there and i get good responses and and my passion is just really over the summer you know things will start to open back up get a little bit more safe the vaccination hopefully will help some people and and we can get a little bit you know back to normal when it gets back to normal what i what i really want to do is i want to go out on the road do a bunch of shows but work on a new hour of comedy and really dedicate myself to having a really solid hour-long special uh so that's that's kind of my my thing that i'm looking forward to the most but i I really haven't even started to touch it i've I've got ideas i write them all down i write down premises but working out the joke and stuff like that you i do zoom shows and things but it's just not the same you you really have to be in a in a club environment and feeling the crowd and the energy and to see if the joke works and if it's worth something you know and, and to really work on it on stage and make it into you know what you want so yeah that, that's what i'm looking forward to so the children's book is awesome love it podcast is great uh doing all the videos online are fun but you know it really i'm, I'm looking forward to stand up and i can't wait to see it when it comes out and i think i just i love the way you lead into your jokes too. You have this really cool and almost uncanny ability to it doesn't it's not forced. It feels very organic and just like it's a part of you. It feels like I'm taking a glimpse into your life and I'm watching this unscripted moment and that's that's pretty cool. And I think it's something like you said that everybody can essentially relate to. So I'm curious because we talked a lot about, you know, how comedy makes people feel. We talked a lot about 
you know, advocating for teachers and telling real stories in comedy. What does comedy do for you? I know it gives you that feeling of elation, but what does it personally do for you? Uh, right now, uh, it pays the bills. <laughs> it's <laughs> valid. You know? It's important. Yeah, you always. I, I was talking. It was. It's funny that you you mentioned this because I was I was talking to a friend of mine today. Um, we did a show this afternoon actually, and we performed for the staff of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, and uh, they they just had their anniversary of the uh, shooting over there in that, that school, and you know they went through so much heartache and pain, and it's it's it, it, unimaginable. Something I, I really can't even touch on. And uh, we performed for the staff. We did a comedy show, myself and, and Joe Dombrowski and uh, two other comedians, uh, Jimmy Cash and a guy, another guy from Allen. I don't remember his name, but he was, uh, we, we performed. So over our Zoom, you know, uh, the last 10 minutes I was closing the show and uh, I, I really had him going, just laughing really hard. And we, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. I kind of got in the zone. Joe text messaged me. He's like, you're destroying it right now. He's like, it's so awesome. And I said, I said, uh, afterwards, I said, yeah, man, I was really feeling it. I said, it was, it was a really good environment. I liked performing for them. They were laughing and things good. And uh, he said, you know, I really wish I had your optimism. I really wish I had your, your optimism and your kind of positive outlook on things. And uh, I said, you know, I said, it's an interesting that you said that. I said, it's not necessarily to have an optimism. It's that I know that there's a, a certain talent there, a certain gift. I, I'm aware that I can be funny. I know how to be funny. and But that I can provide that for somebody else. Seeing those um, people from Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, knowing what the pain they've been through and seeing them laugh like that, it was honestly like a feeling that, you know, not a lot of people get to, to be able to be a healer for just a moment in time and to make people forget about something, uh, you know, like that and, and enjoy their afternoon at a time when, you know, there's so much discussion around their school and at a time where there's so much sadness around their school. So it, it was meant, you know, for the staff to cheer them up. We did our job, but we did a job that I told him, I said, there's not a lot of people out there that could do what we did and, and that could bring that laughter. And I said, once you kind of realize that you have a gift of laughter and that people are paying you to, to make them feel good, he said, I said, there's nothing like it in the world. There's really just having that realization just for a moment that you have a gift that everybody wants to receive there's nobody that doesn't want to laugh in this world and you just feel like you know johnny appleseed just running around wanting to you know just plant trees all over the world but you know plant seeds of laughter and and it's a it's a cool feeling so while i was helping them and and helping out the school and helping out the staff it it helps me too you know it makes me feel good makes me feel really great for being able to to do something like that for those uh people and for um you know, just comedy in general. You, I, you hear so many stories. I mean, I, if you could stand with me at the exit to any comedy show, I guarantee you'd have people walking up every single time going, my mom just died, my dad just died, this is my first time out of the house, I just finished chemo. Uh, you know, there's so much negative, and they go, I needed this. Every time, the, the same three words, I needed this. And it just feels good to be able to, be something that somebody needs, you know, and to be able to provide that is really cool. It's important too. And I like the fact that you called it being a healer because there's many different forms of doing that. And it's valid. You never know who's in your audience 
when they're watching you i personally like i remember the day i found your video i had been laid off from my job and just like i remember binge watching them essentially because it was just it was an escape it was funny it was also a real person who had gone through real things obviously from what you were saying in your comedy so it was very it was a nice form of camaraderie and that is a feeling that i get when i watch your stand-up when i watch your videos and even when i listen to your podcast which is called Crying in My Car, and you should all go listen to it because it's a really great podcast. But it's just, it's really cool to listen to your passion and the way it translates into humor and how that touches people. Devin, thank you so, so much for coming on the show today. It was a pleasure to have you. And you're awesome, and people deserve to feel your awesomeness. So tell them if people want to watch your stand up, watch your videos, or get to know more about you, tell them where they can go do that. Uh, the easiest way is Devin with an I, DevinComedy.com. Uh, that's my website. It's got links to everything. The videos, gosh, uh, the tour dates, the social media, everything's on there. So easiest way to find me is to kind of go there and pick your poison wherever you want to head. Thank you. No, Thanks thank- for having me. Absolutely. You are welcome to come back anytime. When you do drop that children's book, I did not share it because this isn't about me, but I have a deep love for children's books. I would love to read it when it's out on shelves. But thank you so much for coming on the show today, and I'll see everybody next time. Thank you to all of our listeners out there. As always, you are the most beloved and make all of this magic possible time after time. The Raindrop Corner podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all standard listening platforms. Until next time.